0: Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher. This is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to share with you a conversation I had with Stanley Robertson. He's the author of the book, Quit, The Last Principle of Success. And in this conversation, we're going to talk about what he calls Quit shaming and the stigma that surrounds the word quit or quitter or stopping doing things we should stop doing. We also talk about his four step process on how to be a successful quitter, as well as talking about bad reasons to quit something so that we don't quit things we shouldn't be quitting for bad reasons. And we go way beyond other phrases you may have heard on this show before, like sunk cost fallacy and opportunity cost, although you'll hear them again here in Context. So quit whatever else you're doing and pay attention to this conversation with Stanley Robertson. Well, this week, I'm thrilled to welcome to the show for the first time, Stanley Robertson. Stanley, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thanks, Eric. I appreciate you having me.
0: So you are what is known as the quit doctor. So what kind of study is involved in earning that doctorate? (laughs) (laughs)
1: All right. So my doctorate officially is actually in business. Yes. Uh, But the reason why I am referred to as the quit doctor is because I wrote a book entitled Quit. The Last Principle of Success, and I have made it my mission in life to help people free themselves from this notion that you can never give up anything. Uh, In other words, I want people to feel, um, don't feel obligated that you have to stick with something that's not working for you. We should quit as often and as freely as we like. Uh, At least that's my theory. I know that many people have these Characteristics, or these things, or principles in relation to success, and my theory is that we should add quitting to this list of success principles.
0: Oh, I think you're 100 correct there, and you know, in so much as we've talked about quitting on this show previously, it's always been within the confines of uh, the opportunity cost, where mm-hmm. which which I'm sure that plays into quitting. For sure. For sure. It's, mm-hmm. it's definitely about stopping things and starting things. Um, and opportunity cost basically means that if I'm mm-hmm. saying yes to one thing, I'm saying no to every other option. You only you, In every opportunity or in every choice, there is only the ability to give a yes once and the no goes to the rest of the options.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is true. Um, Opportunity cost is a very big deal in the when it comes to quitting. However, we should not just be looking at, well, if I say yes to this, I have to say no to that. But the, the problem for me. With The whole concept of quitting is that as a society, we have turned the word quit into a dirty word. It's a Mm. bad word. So people are embarrassed to even say I quit. In fact, I've recently coined the term quit shaming. You know, like we have this. (laughs) This notion of fat shaming. If you're overweight, someone may try to um, embarrass you or talk about you because of your weight. And we refer to that as fat shaming. Well, I think we do something called quit shaming, where we actually embarrass people because they have quit things.
0: Yes, exactly. And that's why I was excited to talk to you, because I knew that, again, opportunity cost is one sliver of this, but it's not the whole picture. And there's just this – like you're saying, there's this stigma around quitting and and stopping things appropriately. And I think that's where we get tied up in it is because we've we've been told as we were growing up – that, you know, th- there's the trite sayings of, uh, you know, quitters, winners never quit and quitters never win. Mm-hmm. And it's really about, though, uh, knowing what to quit and, and when to quit. And, and honestly, even when not to, because again, it's the when not to that we always get hung up on. It's this, well, if you just quit, if you go around quitting everything in life, slacker, uh, <laughs> you don't have any perseverance or stick to itiveness or character or all these other, you know, uh, grit, like, and that's just not true.
1: Right. True. You're correct. That is not true. Now there is a place on the success spectrum spectrum for sticking to it and having grit and perseverance. All of that is very important if you're going to be successful in life, in relationships, and in your endeavors. However, we should not overlook the idea that sometimes you're going to have to give up some things. In fact, 100% of all human beings have had to quit and will have to quit things in their lives. The problem is when we do have these things we need to quit, we struggle. So what you're saying is true. We do, it is important that we know what to quit and when to quit it's also important that we know when not to give up
0: well let's get back to this this i i don't know like just the the stigma i guess or the quit shaming like you said how did we get to that point because i don't really remember that being something um and i don't know maybe it's not recent that it feels like it's it's come into play but i just feel like that's not something that just has been around forever uh maybe it was appropriate Uh, you know, to, to be able to stop it. Well, let's just say it is appropriate to stop Mm -hmm. things when they're not working. And I don't understand when we got to the place where that became a bad thing.
1: (laughs) That's true. The notion that winners never quit and quitters never win is something that was coined by the professional football coach, Vince Lombardi and Vince Lombardi, of course, he was, True to what he was saying is that as an athlete, you have to push through in many instances. So that's how he came up with this idea that winners never quit. Because if you're going to win the game, you have to keep going forward. And that is a true statement. The problem is, we've adapted that framework, that mindset for everything in life. And it just doesn't work. It just doesn't make sense. As a matter of fact, it doesn't even make sense for professional sports, because sometimes you have to give up the game. Sometimes you do have to know when to release it in terms of when this whole concept came about. I can't identify a specific point in time, but it was somewhere. uh, In fact, it was even before Vince Lombardi coined his, uh, his phrase, winners never quit and quitters never win. It was actually prior to that, that we came up with this notion and what we've done is the word itself, Q U I T, actually has now become synonymous with loser.
0: Mm. Yes, yes. Like a like again, you call somebody a quitter. Mm-hmm. And it just right. feels like like that is a negative term. I don't think there's yeah. any positive nobody hears that and thinks positive at no, all.
1: No, no, no. No, that term literally is an insult. So if you want to insult your friend, call him a quitter and see how fast they throw up their dukes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I mean, we, so we've gotten to that place where that's the way it is. And it sh- you're saying, yes, but it should not be so.
1: Right. I'm, yeah, I'm saying that it should not be so because the reasons why we quit does are there are some very valid reasons why we ought to be quitting. We ought to be giving up. And I'm afraid that. We know as human beings, we know that we should stop doing certain things, but we don't stop the things because of the stigma. And that's really where the problem comes in. So we all can either stop or keep going forward. But if you're if you are reluctant to stop doing something because of the external pressures, then that's where the problem comes in. So what we end up doing is we're in relationships that are just toxic. We we work jobs, we hate, we live in cities where we don't want to be. We have these negative uh, mindsets that we can't release ourselves from. Um, I'll give you just a quick example. Yeah, There's this young lady I know out in Southern California. She was married to this guy. He was this tall, handsome French guy. And she was overweight and she was quick. She was fat shamed. Her husband actually fat shamed her. So one day they had a baby. After the delivery of the baby, he comes into the bedroom. He reaches down, you know, the excess kind of flap of skin that's left over from the delivery. He reaches down to her stomach, um, lifts up the flap of skin, and he says to his wife, do you think I could be attracted to that? Now, Clearly, this is a very toxic relationship with this person, but she refused to give up the relationship, give up the marriage. Because in this society, you don't get a divorce. You don't. If you do, someone is going to say, Oh, you should have stuck with it. You, you. You didn't have enough faith. It would have worked out. You didn't try hard enough. You ought to do something else. So she kept going with the relationship. She was totally miserable. Eventually, she did give up the relationship. And when she did, she lost all of her weight. Her self-esteem skyrocketed. She became a successful author and a, a yoga coach. So just the idea that she would not give up that relationship. And I'm afraid that the reason she She couldn't give up the relationship is because of this emotional attachment to the person and the pressures to remain married. And I'm not suggesting that people should run around and divorce all over the place. However, it's in some instances you have to be able to release that so that you can move on and have a more healthy life.
0: That leads me to the idea of or, you know, people are listening. They're like, okay, well, if it's not something we should be ashamed of then what are the good reasons? Like, Why is it good to quit things? What what are the good reasons to quit something?
1: That is an excellent question. There are several. In fact, there are many good reasons to quit something. Um, I'll give you just a few good reasons why you should quit. Also, there are times when you will know when you should quit as well. Uh, One of the Time, one of the good reasons why people ought to quit is that people, we have already seen just from s- studies and from research, that people who are the most successful quit things often. They quit often and they quit fast. In other words, as soon as they recognize it doesn't work, they stop doing it and then they re-engage to something else that's going to be more productive. Uh, So that's one reason why we ought to be quitting is that we recognize successful people. If we're going to follow those patterns, then we ought to be able to release those things that are not working for us. Another reason why it's good to quit is because quitters do not waste time on things that they don't enjoy. And this concept of enjoyment is very important, is not trivial at all. In other words, you're going to be much more productive, much more successful if you're doing something that you enjoy versus something that you despise. So people who quit things are not going to waste time on things that they don't enjoy. So that's another good reason why you should be quitting. Another good reason why people ought to be quitting is people who quit know when it's time to leave a sinking ship. And what I mean by that is if you're working a job that is going nowhere, you're in a relationship that's going nowhere, you know when it's time to bail. So people who quit quit. Recognize that. And then one of the reasons why people who quit are going to be better off is because quitters try more things. In other words, if you do one thing and you can't and you don't give that up, you can't give that up. You can't try other things in life. And this kind of goes back to your original point Mm -hmm. about the opportunity cost. But if you can't give up one thing, it's going to be very difficult for you to engage in other things. So people who are. Concert pianists, people who are, are top of their game, whether they're uh, artists, singers, athletes, actors, accountants, doctors, whatever they are, they had to try many different things in order to know what is going to work for them. So that's another good reason that you ought to be quitting is because the more things that you try, the better you the closer you're going to come to finding what your purpose in life. So those are some of the reasons why quitting is a good thing.
0: I kept hearing in all of those reasons, it's tying back to if you're putting your resources, your time, your energy, your effort, your attention, your money into something, and you feel you can't quit it, and it is the wrong choice, and it's never going to pay out anymore, that's just bad stewardship. And that's also then keeping you from then pivoting and turning and putting those resources into a place where you may actually have a chance or uh, will actually work out for real, and you already know it. You just won't let yourself uh, turn and do it. Yeah, true. That brings up
1: something that we refer to as the sunk cost fallacy. Yes, Yeah, the sunk cost fallacy where people will make a decision because I've invested a lot of time. I've invested a lot of money. Uh, Just another quick story. So we're all familiar with the Vietnam War in this country that uh, happened back in the late uh, 60s. During the Vietnam War, the United States got pulled into the war because of this theory that they called the domino theory, where if. The, if we could bring down the North Vietnamese, then we can also collapse communism around the world. In other words, if The North Vietnamese regime collapsed, then the next regime collapsed, then the next one and so on. That's referred to as the domino theory. So we got pulled into the war based on this theory. But once we got in that war, very quickly things turned sour and the president was informed we cannot win the war. Our soldiers are being brutalized. We're losing lots of lives and there is no point in the war. There is no way, there's nothing that could define a win and it's impossible. But the president would not give up. And he said he couldn't give up the war for two reasons. Number one, he said that all of the lives that have already been lost would have been lost in vain. And number two, if we quit the war, America would be looked at as a loser, Now, this is absolutely absurd if you continue to think about it, because no matter what you do, it's not going to bring back the lives that were lost. As a matter of fact, we've lost tens of thousands of additional lives because we would not quit the war. So this is this is kind of how we go with this sunk cost fallacy. And that is you should not make decisions based on something that you have done in the past. So just because you spent money on something, you spent a lot of time on something, you spent a lot of effort on something. When you recognize that that thing is not going to yield the results that you want, you should give that up because you should be making decisions based on the future. In other words, what's the best decision for me going forward? Not how much have I invested in the past? And that's the problem with the sunk cost
0: fallacy. Uh, That actually ties back to the fact that in our brains, we kind of can't let things go. Like if we if we are moving forward on something and we even if we feel like it may not work out, we feel like we still need to complete
1: it. Well, yeah, and, and there's a good reason for that. We should not do that. But there is a logical reason why that happens. There was a study that was done and the study is referred to as the jigsaw puzzle. Study. In that study, they took two groups of people. The first group, they gave them this jigsaw puzzle and they said, work the puzzle until you complete it. The second group, they gave them the same puzzle. So they said, work the puzzle until you complete it. The first group did finish the puzzle, but the second group they interrupted would not allow them to finish the thing. So what they found out is that the group who completed the puzzle went on about their day and they never thought about it again. The group who was not allowed to finish the puzzle because they were interrupted, those people thought about the puzzle continuously. So throughout the day, they kept thinking, I could have finished that. I could have done it. I should have had the opportunity. That wasn't fair that they interrupted me and thoughts like that. So what they determined is that the human brain is hardwired for completion. In other words, whenever you're doing something just internally, we have something built into our brains that want us to complete that task. And that's why it is very difficult to quit or to give up something, because whenever you quit something, your brain keeps going back to that thing because you want to complete it. Now, it doesn't matter whether it was good or bad or whether it's beneficial or not, just the fact that you could not complete that task is a problem for the human brain. So that that's really uh, one of the problems that you're just describing.
0: Yeah. So how do we trick our brains to feel like or, or disengage uh, with that need to complete something, even if we didn't complete it so that we can quit positively so that we can quit uh, things that do need to be stopped? Mm-hmm.
1: There are several things that you can do. I'll, I'll give you just a quick idea of one or two of the things that you might uh, try. There is something that you can do called if-then thinking or if-then planning. And when I say if, I mean I-F hyphen T-H-E-N. And that just simply means you you try to connect your activity to a particular event. For example, if you want to, let's say you, you have a report due at, at your job at, at work. Uh, and if your report is due and your, your manager says to you, the report is due on, um, I don't know, every Monday morning or, or at the last, you know, Friday of every month or whatever the case might be. One thing that you might try is connecting something to that to doing the thing like this. If I have to this report to do every Monday, then maybe I, sh- I start the report. Maybe it takes me two days to do the report. So I've got to start on Friday. So in your brain, you have to tell yourself, if it's Friday at 9 a.m., I'm going to do the report. So the if then is, if it's Friday, then I do the report. So that way you You will have the report done on Monday morning when when it's due. Now, what happens is we have this thing called neuroplasticity inside our brains, where the more you think about something, the more you do something, it creates a pattern. It's like walking, walking along your lawn. If you walk along that same path every single time you create these grooves, these paths. And that's what happens in our brain. So the more you do a thing, the more you think about a thing, the more you create these grooves, these neural pathways inside your brain. So if you say on on Friday, if Friday morning at nine o'clock, then it's time for me to do the report. And then the next Friday it's Friday morning at nine o'clock, then it's time for me to do the report. And the more you think about that, the more your brain will automatically. So before you know it, you don't have to consciously think about it, you just automatically, boom, Friday morning, you go to that spot and you sit down and you start working on that report. So that's one of the things you can do to kind of trick your brain is engage in this idea of this if-then thinking. Connect something to the thing that it is you want to do. Uh, That's one of the things. And I'll give you one other quick thing that you can do as well. Uh, Sometimes when we are engaged in something, we It's not that we're not going to do it or we don't have good intentions to do it, but we kind of put it off. In other words, we time shift. And the way you can get around this idea of time shifting is a lot of times if you're working on a project or, or a goal, it takes a long time to complete it. It could take a month, several months, a year. If you take that, break it down into small chunks That is a very good thing that you can do. The other thing that you can do is think about it in terms of days instead of, say, months, because the brain processes a day in a different way than it processes a month. So if you say, for example, oh, it's going to take me 90 days to complete the thing. It's different if you say it's going to take me three months to complete it versus 90 days. The brain doesn't like uh, the this idea that it takes months to do something now even though the days 90 it's the same obviously Mm. but for some reason the brain likes these shorter increments so that's another thing that you can do and there's various other things that you might do to kind of trick your brain into making sure that you disengage from the the things that are appropriate for you
0: okay so the 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 uh, the numbers thing the the months the days thing that you were just talking about I'm trying to get my head around that so if I hear what you're saying it's it 's like the brain does the opposite like like let me tell you how it normally is like if I 'm trying to explain money to my kid okay mm-hmm. my son he's like why does this giant stack of one dollar bills look <laughs> larger right. than this smaller stack of five tens 20s whatever and right. we had to explain that like these bigger bill these not the bigger the bigger stack visually but the the ones that have more on them are worth more and it's kind of like that but flipped where our brains then can like our brains can tell that uh even though a hundred dollar bill like for example uh you use the the example of 90 days and three months Mm -hmm. so in my brain i know that the word month means 30 days and i'm kind of calculating that but you're saying that if we Lean towards the smaller increment, even though it may be a larger number of that smaller increment, mm-hmm. it makes it feel more uh, able to be done.
1: Yes. And, and the reason why is because in our brains, it seems closer. For some reason, the human brain, the, the smaller increments, in other words, a day it obviously is closer than a month. Even if it's 90 days, it still feels to us that it's closer than three months. Obviously, it's the same time, clearly, but just the idea of converting it into days. So if you have one year, you know, a year is 365 days. It it makes us feel better to say, oh, I've got 300 days left than to say I've got 11 months left. Goal disengagement is the technical term for the concept of quitting, because uh, I've read I've read all the books that I could find and studied all the research that I could find on this idea of quitting. And nowhere in the research does it use the word quit. They always use the word goal disengagement. Goal disengagement, there are two components to goal disengagement. In other words, if you wanna be successful at the idea of quitting something, you have to do two things. Number one, you have to give up the effort. And number two, you have to give up the commitment. So, if you give up both of those things, you can be successful at quitting something. But the problem is we struggle with the second part. In other words, we, most of the time, we can give up the effort. Giving up the effort just means stop doing the thing. But... The problem in our brains is the commitment part. So you stop doing the thing, but you still feel committed. You still feel connected. You still want to complete the thing. So it's kind of a psychological problem for us to give up the commitment to the idea. Um, I had this friend who was a football player in college, and he wanted to be a professional athlete. He got a tryout for a professional sports team on his way to the uh, camp to the sports team camp he missed his flight he was uh this <laughs> was kind of uh, uh funny I, I it wasn't funny to him at all but I guess <laughs> it's funny to me now after the fact but he was on his way to the airport and he was he had his boom box along with him this is some a little a little time ago and he forgot his battery so he went to the local, uh, convenience store to get some batteries and he missed his flight as a result. Now, uh, of course, I'm sure he's kicking himself in the butt all the way back home. But the point is that he was not able to make the training camp, which means that his opportunity for that professional outfit was gone. The effort obviously was gone because he couldn't make the uh, the training camp. But his commitment to the notion of playing football st- Stuck with him. He could not give up the commitment. So he chased that dream for years and he became miserable. He started drinking. He started having other uh, problems as a result. Uh, now, eventually, and this is years later, I mean, I don't know, 10 years later, 12 years later, he finally gave up the commitment to that thing. And then he became very happy and healthy. And he was able to go out and start a nonprofit organization and do some great things after that. Uh, after that fact. But the point is that in terms of gold disengagement, you've got to be able to give up both the effort and the commitment. If you don't give up the commitment, you're going to struggle and it's going to cause you um, problems, both mental and physical, by the way.
0: So how do we uh, wrap our head around? Let's go with that neuroplasticity Mm -hmm. word there, where we're training ourselves to uh, fight against exterior uh you know expectations and that stigma of if i quit this i'm going to be quit shamed and how do we get to that point where we realize uh you know what even if i do get quit shamed i know i made the right decision and i'm just changing tracks like on a train to get to the right destination and if they can't see that that's fine i know it
1: yeah well i've came up with this four step process to help people d- uh, get to that point. Perfect. And I, um, I'll describe the four steps just um, r- you know briefly, like so really, really super fast. I use the acronym QUIT, Q-U-I-T, to describe the four steps. Step number one is to quit quickly. That's the Q, quit quickly. In other words, as soon as you recognize that something is not working for you, you need to disengage from that thing. But of course, there's a problem. So you may recognize that you need to quit but you got this emotional baggage that prevents you from doing it, which brings us to step number two, the you. So Q, you, you is to understand the negative emotions. So if you understand the negative emotions, I believe, and I think that, you know, studies bear this out, that the more you know, the better decisions you can make. So if you understand what's happening in your brain, if you understand some of the things that are preventing you, if you understand the external pressures, you will be in a better position to navigate around those things. So if you don't know that the brain is doing something, you know, you're not going to be able to You you just kind of go along with it. But so that's the second thing is just understanding that. And part of that means some of the things we've been talking about, you know, recognizing recognizing about the sunk cost fallacy and understanding how to convert months or years into days and some of the other techniques that you can use, the if then thinking and so forth. So all of those things will help you navigate around the negative emotions associated with the idea of quitting. But that's the U. And then Q-U-I. I I is to initiate new goals. And this is a very important point in terms of being able to give up something. If you're going to quit something, one of the ways to get past the stigma or the embarrassment of giving up the thing is to do another thing. For example, Many, many people work jobs that they literally hate. In fact, they despise. And that's because um, you know, they don't like what they're doing They are, or whatever the reason is, they don't like the job, but they keep doing it anyway. Well, one way that you can free yourself from a job you hate, and I think most people will give the same advice, and that is find yourself another job first. And that's important for various reasons. But in terms of the negative emotions, if you find another job, it's more—it's much easier for someone to say, let's take me. If I'm going to leave my job, it's going to be very, uh, especially for men and, and I'm sure many women as well, our identities, our livelihoods, our lifestyles, our families, all of that is tied up into our jobs. If you're going to leave that job, you're going to feel very bad. However, it's a lot easier to say, let's take A and B. A, I say, I quit my job. Well, that's really bad. People are going to be like, what is wrong with you? Your wife, your kids, everybody, your bill collectors. On the other hand, B, if I say, oh, I quit that company, but I'm going to be doing X. So in other words, you replace the first thing with something else. It makes it much easier to disengage as long as you have something else that you have going. So that's why step number three is to initiate some new goals. Once you have new goals in place, you know what you're going to do when you quit the first thing. It's much easier to make the decision. And then the final Step is the T Q U I T, which is to transform your behavior. Once you do make a decision that you're going to quit something, you can't keep doing the same things that you were doing before. You may need new resources. You may need to learn some, some more things you may need more skills, uh, And there's other things that you might need, uh, which I just refer to that as just transform your behavior. In other words, enlist the new resources that you need to reach the new goals that you now have created for yourself. So anyway, that's just a quick version of the four-step process. Q-U-I-T, quit quickly, understand negative emotions, initiate new goals, and then transform your behavior.
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah. And that encompasses a lot of what we've uh, previously talked about in this conversation. Something right. we haven't hit on yet, though, is we talked about good reasons to quit. What about bad reasons to quit? I've got to, I've got to think that, you know, uh, for it for all those people out there who are fearful of quit shaming and, you know, that they'll be quit shamed, that there are good reasons to not quit things. That's so, right. what you know, what we should not quit certain things for these bad reasons. Right. (laughs) Right.
1: That's right. Okay. I'll give you just a, just a couple. Um, There's many, but um, we'll we'll just go with a few right here. One of the reasons or bad reasons to quit is just because you don't want to work hard. That is probably one of the worst reasons you can have for quitting something. No one should ever quit something just because they don't want to work hard because all that's going to do is, that's really that's really what a loser means It's like oh you don't you don't want to work, so now you're gonna quit. you know you should that is that's just not a good reason now, if you don't want to do the thing just because it's not making you happy, it's not leading to your success, it's not making you a better person, or you just change your mind and you just decide hey i don't I don't want to do this thing anymore, that's valid, but if you want to do it, but you can't do it because it's hard work. That's no good. So that that's number one. You don't want to do that. Another bad reason to quit something is because you feel underappreciated. For example, if you have a job or relationship and you feel like, oh, my boss don't appreciate me. That is not a good reason to quit your job. For example, Uh, you need to figure out how to get your own internal motivation if that's the case. Now, of course, it's better for managers to recognize good work, recognize great employees, but we know that all managers are not good managers. So just because you're working for someone who don't get it, that's not a good reason why you should quit. So just because you're underappreciated, you don't want to be quitting for that reason. You also don't want to quit just because, for example, you you covet your coworker. In other words, oh, that person makes more money or I'm smarter than that person. How come they get the best assignments? That is also not a good reason to quit. If that's the case, you should just keep pushing, make yourself more valuable to the organization. And sooner or later, someone is going to recognize it. And if they don't, then you might think about moving on. But obviously, before you move on. You should make sure you have something else lined up for yourself. So um, those are some of the bad reasons to quit. And and another bad reason to quit is just because I'm not rich yet. I'm not rich yet is is really important because it says that I want it fast, whatever it is. I want to I want this to happen really fast. No, things might take time. So you don't want to quit just because it took you a long time time to get where where it is you want to be. You just need to evaluate. Is this important to me? Why is this important? Is this still my goal? Is this still something that I want to achieve in life? If it is, you want to keep going. You don't want to stop doing it just because, because your breakthrough could be right around the corner. It could be tomorrow, next week, next year. You don't know. So you don't want to give up just because it's taking a long time. And uh, finally, th- this is a really good reason uh, or bad reason, I guess, why you should not be quitting. You shouldn't quit just because you're mad. You know how you're playing a basketball game and it's like, oh, I'm mad. I lost. I'm going to take my ball and go home. Well, oh, that's ridiculous. Uh, but in any case, those are some bad reasons
0: for yeah. people. Quitting things. But it seems to me like then the, the reason that I, I, and I don't know that this is this is true or not, but maybe maybe we go back to that Vietnam War uh, mm-hmm. example. And maybe it was just that it was too emotional or uh, prideful or irrational a decision to. Uh, we would supposedly feel the shame if we pulled out, if we quit and instead, uh, you know, again, what might be better would have been to persevere in a different direction. Maybe that's another way of putting it
1: to, you mean to push through the war?
0: No, I mean, um, that, that still stopping being involved, but that we equate it differently. Like I'm thinking, like like what you were saying earlier um with initiate the new goals mm-hmm. uh so uh when you were saying that i couldn't help but think oh yeah well like for example if you're going to quit a job because it's the right time and you have good reasons not you know emotional irrational reasons uh and you also have a different job in place or a Search in place for one, which then that's a little iffy because that's a bi- that's that's a bigger leap. But um, that it's it's like shifting tracks on a train. It's that you can't get there from from this track, but you can get there from that track, and there's a switch coming up that you can just take.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's exactly right. Um, I, I do want to go back to something you just mentioned though about yeah. this this idea of the war. It is true that you are going to be in a better position if you can switch gears, if you can line up something else for yourself. That is absolutely correct, which is what you just said. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important for us to do that. However, my ultimate premise is that we have to get past the idea that something something that someone else says can prevent us from doing something that's going to make us more happy and more successful in our own lives. In other words, we have to get to the point where number one, we don't care Mm. that someone thinks quitting is a bad thing. But ultimately, as a society, my real goal is this, is to change our perception of the word quit. So if you hear the word perseverance there's nothing negative about that right it's like oh that's a positive thing oh that's a good thing you need to be able to persevere if you're going to be successful or you need to have you need to have good talent if you're going to be successful you need to have good uh, resources if you're going to be successful and all these things i'm saying quit the word quit and the idea of quitting as a society i want to see us change that concept from a negative to a positive. In other words, the word quit itself is neither positive or negative. In fact, it's neutral, which means that quit. I mean, there's nothing inherently negative about quitting. The reason why quitting is negative is because as a society, we have deemed quitting to be a negative thing. And I'm saying that as a society, we need to Get past the idea, and we need to look at people who quit things in a different way. We should not be looking at someone as a loser just because they quit something.
0: What you're trying to do is is shift or uh, undo some of the false education that we've had up till this point. Uh, right. And and I can't think, you know, I can't use the word education without thinking about kids and how, you know, at times we as parents or us as kids have had the parents who. Made us do certain things for the (laughs) for the character building for the you know for the you will learn perse like we've been using the word perseverance you will learn perseverance to complete something and there's a balance there right like between Mm -hmm. like maybe we were learning the wrong thing maybe we we needed to learn perseverance but not in a uh, you can't quit anything way but maybe in a quitting something at the right time is part of perseverance.
1: Sure. And I, th- I think that's a good point. And I think that parents now, most parents want very good things for their children. So I think that there's no question that the typical parents and there may be you know, a handful of exceptions, but generally parents want the best for their children. So they are going to Admonish their kids to keep going and to push through because they know that that does build character and that it's going to be something that's going to be useful in your life. However, I'm afraid that we could be holding our kids back. We could be harming them by by uh, refusing to allow them to quit, because let's say that you have a child and, you know, it's a kid, I don't know, 8, 10, 12, 13, whatever the age might be. If that kid is trying something and that kid decides, oh, you know what? I, I tried playing baseball. I don't like baseball. Or I tried ballet. I don't like ballet. Or I tried soccer. Or, I tried the horn, whatever it is. If you forbid the kid to quit the thing that they're engaged in, how can they try something else that may they may actually have a very good propensity towards. In other words, remember one of the the reasons that we said earlier, why quitters are better off, why quitters are more successful is that quitters try more things. If you are a child, the point of your entire life during those early years is for exploring Mm. Uh, You know, defining your creativity, learning things, growing. You cannot do that if you refuse to stop doing one thing so that you can try something else. In other words, if you have a kid and the kid tried ballet and they don't like it and they say, oh, I don't like this anymore. Why shouldn't you let them try Um, I don't know, modern dance. And then they say, I don't like modern dance. Why shouldn't they try jazz dance? And if they don't like jazz dance, why shouldn't they try the horn? And if they don't like the horn, why shouldn't they try basketball? So I'm saying that that's what kids ought to be doing. They ought to be trying as many things as they can. That's going to help them grow. That's going to help them develop. That's going to help them be well rounded as an individual opposed to saying you got to do this and you can only do this and nothing else um I, I just don't know you know now i I, th- I think that's worked for some people like I don't know let's say Tiger woods for example <laughs> yeah yeah uh, you know, he had to play golf and I'm I'm sure his dad r- would not ever let him quit playing golf however he probably had a miserable childhood. I mean, you know, and and, I mean, theoretically, it's possible that a kid could actually like the thing. Now, if they like the thing, then obviously you don't have to forbid them to quit if they like it, because they're going to do it anyway because they like doing it. I'm talking about when they don't like it and you you forbid them to quit just because they started it and you're trying to build character. I think we could be harming them more than helping.
0: Yeah. Our role then as parents is better suited to. Walking them through when they come, you know, being one, being open as a parent and approachable to Mm. then two, have discussions about those four steps to to being a successful quitter. Like you stated earlier that we would that we would quit quick, um, that we would talk with them about uh, those negative emotions that come along with it and that we would talk to them about then uh, initiating new goals. What is it? That you're then maybe interested in trying next, and what makes you excited about that, and so that is, I think, what I try to do at least with my kids. And and then I gotta wonder, as I was just saying that, well, what then, uh, you know? And I think this is what you're doing. uh, You're getting us to then be that parental role uh, for ourselves, where we can talk to ourselves and do a quick self-analysis and say, you know, where are we at? What are we? What are we thinking? What are we feeling? Is this working? And if not. OK, how do we move on? What are what are the next options? Is there something better than where we're at right now? And what do I need? How do I stop this to then start that?
1: Right. Yeah, that's true. And if we did not do that, for example, if, if that never happened with, say, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, he'd still be wrestling right now. Well, he recognized, you know what? I'm going to quit wrestling and I want to I want to be a, an action movie star. So he quit wrestling and became a movie star. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger did the same thing. He was a bodybuilder. He'd still be a bodybuilder. Can you imagine? I don't know how old Schwarzenegger is, but he's got to be what 60 yeah, years old, I up suppose? there somewhere. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, what is he 60 years old, still trying to be a bodybuilder? Well, that's probably not going to work. But he recognized a long time ago that it's okay for me to quit. He was at the top of his game. In fact, he was probably the the number one bodybuilder in the world, and he quit bodybuilding and became a movie star. And then he was one of the top movie stars. He quit being a movie star and became a governor. If he never had the ability to quit some of the things that he was doing, he would have never been able to engage in the new things that that he did. And that list continues forever. Just about everybody you, you can think of quit something to do something else. And that is not a bad thing. It, it, and, then, and that's my problem is I just don't know why as a society we have determined that quitting is such a bad thing. I mean, there's there's a lot of bad things I can think of, but I don't think quitting is necessarily mm-hmm. one of them.
0: <laughs> no, no, definitely not. So I man, I'm excited for uh, people to get on board with your mission here cool. of changing the way we think about this. And if people are interested in one, getting your book. And then two, uh, connecting with you and you know furthering this process. Um, where can you direct them to? Where Where is the best place for people to connect with you? Oh, sure,
1: they they can just go to thequitdoctor dot com. That's my website. Perfect. Thequitdoctor dot com. Um, also, you can always pick up the book on uh, Amazon or any other online bookseller. But um, if, just in case you, don't, you forget the name, the name of the book is Quit the Last Principle of Success. And if you type that in on Amazon, it'll come up. But, um, the, you know, it, it's just as easy to remember the quitdoctor.com dot com. And then there'll, there'll be a link to the to the Amazon.
0: Perfect. Uh, Stanley, so awesome talking with you today. Uh, this is definitely something that, you know, doesn't come easy to us, but definitely we need to change our thinking about. And I am so glad to be able to talk to you about how we can do that. So thank you so much.
1: Well, thanks, Eric. I appreciate you having me on. And uh, hopefully everybody will have at least gotten a couple of tips, a couple of ideas that they can use. And in particular, please spread the word. Help people us as a society to recognize, to come to grips with the idea that quitting is not the end of the world.
0: Perfect. Uh, Thank you so much. Talk to you later. Hey, thanks. Well, that's another podcast crossed off your podcast listening to do list. Thanks again to Stanley Robertson for talking with me about quitting. I hope that you're walking away from this conversation with an updated perspective on the word quit, on quitting in general and especially on quit shaming and how to decide what you should or shouldn't continue doing. If, as you were listening, you thought of somebody that needs to hear this conversation, I'd love for you to share this episode with them. The easiest way is to just hit the share button on whatever podcast listening device you're using right now, or head on over to the show notes for this episode at beyondthetodolist.com slash 295, and make sure to subscribe if you're not already. Thanks again for sharing. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you next episode.